The Z-Ball podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the z Podcast. I'm Zeeshan Khan. Uh, today we have a lot of topics to get into. We have two exciting conference finals matchups on the horizon and a lot of coaching vac- vacancies and uh, a lot of stuff to get into uh, regarding the Spurs future. And to get into all this, I have joining me from Dallas, Texas, diehard Chicago Bulls fan, Faizan. How are you doing, Faizan? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on here. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so let's just get into the Western Conference Finals first, as uh, both teams are set and the matchup is set between Oklahoma City Thunder and the Golden State Warriors. So I uh, just kind of wanted to get your initial thoughts on uh, how you think this series is going to play out. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a good one because um, everyone was thinking the Spurs are going to be there, but now it's like, you know, it's a surprise that the Thunder are there. Um, you know, I really like, I think it's going to be, it's not going to be that easy for the Warriors. I think people think that they're just going to roll through. But, uh, I mean, you got two superstars on the Thunder side, so um, it's going to be a good one. Um, Warriors, you know, they're deep, and they shoot really good. Um, probably the Warriors, I think, would be the winner in that one. Because uh, they got home court, and um, Steph Curry is back to full strength, it looks like. You know, they're all healthy, ready to go. Um, even though the Thunder did surprise me pretty much, um, I didn't think they'd get that far, but yeah. Um, Warriors probably, I would say, in the six games. Okay, definitely. <laughs> uh, definitely. Uh, and regarding, yeah, everyone is pretty much penciled in uh, Spurs Warriors into the conference finals. Uh, what do you think kind of clicked for the Thunder uh, in beating the Spurs because they seemed like pretty much the dominant team in five of those six games. So uh, what do you think uh, eventually uh, changed for them from the regular season going into the the playoffs? And what do you think ultimately pushed them over the top against San Antonio? Uh, I think everyone's talking about, you know, the Adams-Cantor combination coming in, playing a lot of minutes. Uh, we didn't really see a lot of that, I guess, in the regular season. They relied a lot on Ibaka, and then Chantry just came on the bench, off the bench. Um, you know, Stephen Adams played really good, um, even offensively. Usually, he's not that involved on the offense. And um, Chantry, you know, he played good as well with rebounding and defense, which he's not known for. Um, and they played them a lot, so I think that was one of the big uh, contributors to their winning the series. But yeah, of course, it's Kevin Durant. Um, he took over one of those games in Westbrook. Um, you know, usually you see him you know, turn the ball over or take that shot, but he really controlled himself and uh, hit some clutch threes in those games. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, the team effort, uh, even the coaching, I guess a lot of people are giving credit to the coach to get them this far, even though it's just his first season. Um, you know, just a combination of the Thunder, but then you look at the Spurs as well, like, you know, uh, Kawhi got shut down, I think, some of those games. Everyone was expecting him to take over, but uh, and they have some good defensive players that they put on him. Um, even though Tim Duncan played pretty good that last game, I don't think he was a big contributor most of the series. Uh, Tony Parker kind of, I think he got hurt at the end of the series, so he also you know, did not give as much as was expected. Um, but yeah, I mean, and there were some controversies about officiating the whole series. So um, that was another factor, especially in uh, the end of some of those games. They could have swung the game towards the Spurs and uh, made the calls and helped the Thunder out. Okay, uh, going off a little bit into the Spurs, uh, what do you think uh, kind of the future holds for them? I mean, do you think their team's going to look drastically different next year? Do you think Popovich, uh, Duncan, Ginobili, do you think these guys are still around next year? 
Yeah, I think Popovich is going to be back. I mean, as we see in the league, you know, they, um, people get rid of coaches, the team get rid of coaches, and they think the next guy's going to be, you know, the best or whatever, and it turns out he's worse than the previous guy. So, um, you have know, a Hall of Fame coach like that, you know, who's been with the team so long, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, Ginobili, maybe. Maybe Ginobili retires. Um, Tim Duncan, that's a tough one because... I mean, he can still play. I think he was maybe hurt too, you know, some or something like that. Um, well, Tim, Tim Duncan, he might come back. Yeah. Tim Duncan, I mean, it seemed like he was just uh, too slow uh, to, to keep up with the Thunder's uh, youth and athleticism. Do you think that was just uh, a kind of a matchup problem, or do you think that's a uh, ultimate uh, underlying issue for him going forward? Because I mean, it seems like he against these top teams in the West, like Golden State, Oklahoma City these teams that are really fast, move the ball, play at like a fast pace. It seems like he's pretty much become useless against these teams and you can't really uh, play him at, at an extended amount of minutes. So do you think I'm reading too much into that or do you think he can have some sort of value going into next year? Um, no, I think you're right on some of those points. Um, like you said, the league has changed. I mean, you can't, don't have a post play a lot anymore. Um, it's mostly guard-dominated games. Um, even the big men have, like, they don't have big roles in the offense that much, I would say. Um, yeah, and he, he is old now. Like, I think a few years ago, people were saying, oh, he's old or whatever, and he was still getting to the all-star game. So, um, but yeah, you can definitely tell there's been a drop-off this year. Um, I think he can still come back, provide some leadership on that team. Um and, I mean, he won't, might not be a starter. I don't know if he has a problem with that coming off the bench. Um, I think he might have one year left in him. But maybe I'm just thinking that because uh, I'm expecting, oh, Tim Duncan should have a farewell tour like Kobe did. But I don't know if that will happen. I don't think he cares about that. So Well, I, I, I just Duncan don't – I think Tim Duncan ultimately is a better player than Kobe. I just don't think he's as popular as Kobe ever was or – I don't think he ever will be. He's just kind of like shied away from the limelight, always kind of flown be- below the radar. And he's just kind of conducted himself with that type of air. I mean, humbleness. And he doesn't really like that, uh, like hoopla and all the stuff off the court. I think he just he just goes out there and plays. So I don't think, I don't see like sort of a farewell tour. And I don't I don't think, to be honest, uh, that he, he would even want something like that. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't think he's. Yeah, he doesn't want that attention. He doesn't care. Um, I mean, I think he could still contribute, but, I mean, they got Aldridge now, who's the big man now. Um, you know, they might get some, some other people. I think Paul falls in name that people throw around that might come to the Spurs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Tim Duncan, I mean, yeah, he definitely showed his age in this series. Uh and now they got other options, so they don't need him that much on offense. Like you said, he might be too slow on defense um, for some of those players going to the rim. So, yeah, I mean, it's up to him. I mean, it depends what the Spurs plan to do. I mean, I think he'll go with what the Spurs want to do. If they're going to bring in some other players, um, he might just, you know, say, yeah, I'll retire. Or, maybe, you know, he's a team player. So, I think, I mean, he's won a lot already, so it's not like he needs get that last swing or whatever, but um, I think he'll go with what the team wants. But he can still be useful. Um, it depends on if some people say he's injured or something like that. Um, you know, if there's a major injury, that he probably won't be back. But okay, I definitely. Yeah, uh, do you think they're gonna target any uh, big time free agents? I kind of have, see them going after like a Mike Conley. You think possibly they go after uh, Kevin Durant in the off season? Uh, I mean, that's, that's been what uh, the big story has been, you know, where KD's going to go and the Spurs have been a destination um, since they, you know, they won a lot already. Um, I mean, they already got Kawhi Leonard there playing the wing positions. Kevin Durant would definitely help with the offense and stuff. Um, but, I mean, I'm not sure if they'll go after KD. Uh, Mike Conley might be a better option. He kind of fits their profile, you know, defensively. Um, I mean, they still got Tony Parker, but like we saw, Tony Parker, um, I mean, he still plays at a pretty good level, but he's not at what he used to be. Uh, Tony um, Parker, he, for him to be effective, he's, he needs to get in the paint. I mean, he lived in the paint whenever 
he was in his prime years, and that would just uh, create all sorts of quality looks and quality shots for the rest of the San Antonio players, including guys like Danny Green. Now, what do you think ultimately happened to Danny Green this year? After, do you think uh, it was just a uh, kind of like a getting a big contract and then not living up to it? I mean, what happened because uh, he was he was not good at all the whole year. Yeah, did he free agent this year? Oh, he he was actually a free agent last year. He signed like a four-year, like fifty million dollar deal oh, or something, okay. something like that. I mean, I mean, like Danny Green. I mean, if he is what he is, he's a three-point shooter. If he's not hitting those threes, then um, you know he's not playing well. That's pretty much what he does. Um, he can contribute defensively, but I don't think he's regarded as a the top defensive player. Um, but yeah, he's a three-point shooter. Um, I mean, he. You know, I saw in the games that Kawhi crashed with a pain, Danny Green's open, and he passed it to him. Um, I mean, he's under contract, so they'll probably keep him. He's, he's a role player. I mean, he's not going to contribute, um, you know, as much as, you know, you'd ex- like a, you know, uh, what do you call it, a star player or anything like that. But, um, I mean, he, I mean, the Spurs like to keep consistency. Um, they like to keep players that, you know, know the system, are part of the team. I think they'll keep him around. Um I haven't really talked too much about his future, but uh, yeah, Tony Parker, um, you know, at the beginning of his career, he could definitely penetrate, but he was not a good shooter. I mean, he was improving shooting, but like you said, it's really important what he did in the paint and, you know, drive, either score or pass out. Um, but yeah, it's, it'll, be a, it'll be a big change, but luckily they have Kawhi there now, for sure, superstar, and Lamar Gonzalez, too, established there, and he had some really good games in this playoffs, so... Um, they'll probably try to build around those um, guys. Okay, yeah, definitely going to be building around Kawhi and uh, Lamarcus going forward. Kawhi, I, I don't think, I mean, he's definitely probably the best two-way player in the league, but I still think he has a lot of development, uh, uh, especially on the offensive side. He's not as complete as I would like. He, I don't think he ball ha- his ball handling skills are that great. Uh, he doesn't pass that well as as of right now, but... What what do you think is kind of like the next step in the evolution of his game? I mean, well, defensively he's already there at the top. I mean, he won the award and everything this year. Um, he can guard multiple positions on the wing, um, and he's actually um, he's a good shooter too. He shoots a lot from three, and he's pretty clutch as well. He did finish like second in the MVP voting, so um, you know he's he's. I mean, I think. We don't hear that much about him, or we don't think that too highly of him as we should, maybe because his personality is not, you know, he's not like, he's kind of like Tim Duncan. He doesn't want all the, uh, you know, attention and everything. So we might not think of him, oh, he's not a superstar yet, but um, like you said, he's the best two-way player in the game already. And yeah, I mean, like we've seen from the start of his career, he's, you know, he's added stuff to his game every year. Um, I don't think, um, the other stuff is too far behind either. Um, but like when you already have a point guard, let's say they get Mike Conley or something like that, um, you know, Kawhi might not have to do all the passing and all that stuff. But yeah, he could definitely improve in some of those areas. Um, and I think he'll get there. I mean, um, he can, you know, I think he's that kind of player that like they lost this year. He's going to go into the off season, you know, even with even more motivation to get better and better. Um, I mean, the Spurs, I don't think they'll make too many changes, man. I think they're just going to, uh, you know, keep the core guys and, like they did last year, add some free agents and stuff. Um, maybe Mike Conley, like you said, uh, maybe Kyle Gasol. And, um, yeah, we'll see. I think they're, I mean, every, every year you're like, oh, the Spurs are old now and they're going to go down, but then they reach to and they're back in the um, think of things. I mean, they had a great regular season. And this was kind of unexpected that this happened. So <laughs> I think they're all kind of you know, still recovering from that, but they'll realize what they need to do. All right, definitely. Yeah, the Spurs are definitely build themselves around continuity, and I think that's what they're going to have going forward, and that's what their culture builds. So uh, getting back into the series, uh, kind of uh, some thoughts about it on, on my part. I I think Oklahoma City, to me, kind of has a feel of that 2011 Miami Heat team kind of that team during the regular season who lost a bunch of games like late in fourth quarters. I mean, was hard to close out. And 
It feels like, I mean, I hate to bring this up to you, but it feels like that 2011 Eastern Conference Finals to me, the Heat and the Bulls, where the Bulls were pretty much had the, had the number of the Miami Heat in the regular season. I think they were like 3-0 or 4-0 against them. And then came uh, Conference Finals time, and then it would just look like a completely different, uh, two different teams in that, in that Eastern Conference Finals. I have some, I see some sort of feeling, some sort of similarities. I see some kind of same feeling that I have with Oklahoma City this year because they're really peaking at the right time. So I, I don't know if I'm really going to pick Oklahoma City because Golden State, like you said, is excellent. They have a lot of depth. But Golden State hasn't looked uh, as great defensively. That's where I kind of worry. I mean, because uh, when they're at their best, uh, I think defensively they're just awesome. And then they – they just shut people down, especially late in games. But if you take a look at this year, the three matchups they had in the regular season, you can make a, probably a good argument that Gold, Oklahoma City should have won two of those, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, they're definitely talented. Like you said, they're you know playing really well at the right time. Um, I think, you know, as players mature and they, you know, are in the league more, they realize the playoffs is what really matters. I mean, the regular season, you can do your best, you know, um, but if you don't perform in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, like Golden State, defensively, I mean, they got some guys that can cover Katie. They got like Mark Green, they got Andre Madala. Um, Harrison Barnes is also there. Um, even Westbrook, they got uh, Sean Houston. I don't know if he'll be able to cover Westbrook, though. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like we saw in this uh, Blazers series, like defensively, like you said, um, you know, McCollum was hitting all these kind of shots. Litter was uh, playing really well as well. Um, so, yeah, they definitely got some questions defensively. Uh, but, yeah, I just think it's the offense that will bring you hope for them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really remember all the, uh, the regular season games, how they went along, but... Uh, yeah, the playoffs is just different. I think people realize, um, you know, what's important there. I think, you know, the Warriors too. They definitely, uh, yeah, they went through it last year. They know, you know, this is the time to get, you know, to play at the best. They're all healthy now. Um, I mean, it's not a really a big deal, but yeah, it's Billy Donovan's first time coming um, this far in this uh, in the playoffs. You know, it's his first season, so the coaching experience as well is also on the Warriors side. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's different. I mean, we saw what KD can do. You know, we saw, we, we've seen for a long time what Westbrook can do as well. So, um, when you got the superstar, there's definitely an X factor. Um, you know, they play really well. And it's a whole different, you never know what's going to happen there. So, yeah, I mean, now, now that after talking to you, I'm like, oh, should I said the Warriors? <laughs> am, I, am I changing your pick? Uh, am I changing your pick with all this stuff? <laughs> I'm still going with the Golden State, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, the Thunder, you know, this just remind me how good the Thunder played the series, and uh, well, Thunder, the pieces, I mean, we heard that, oh, you know, Thunder's only two players, and the other guys are not that good, or whatever, and, um, you know, we saw that, you know, role players just step up, and, like, Dion Raiders or Robertson, and they can hit some shots, and they can just change the game, so, um, um, yeah, I mean, they're not that, you know, what do you call it, superstar-oriented as you thought. They're, you know, the role players can step up and play like the big men as well. Uh, they definitely got a chance, but I think Norris uh, is just too experienced, too deep. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see what happens. It'll be a good one. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. Oklahoma City, I mean... Whenever they've been healthy, I mean, they haven't really lost much. I think the last time they lost a series when they were like, they had their like full like core of guys was the 2012 finals to Miami. So I, like the past couple of years, always something has always happened. Westbrook injured, Duran injured, Ibaka injured, something like that. And then in the regular season this year, they lost a bunch of leads in the fourth quarter. The one problem I always have with them is like down the stretch, like three, four minutes left in the game crunch time pressure situations their offense just becomes too predictable they go hero ball iso ball with duran and westbrook and they don't really uh move the ball uh move the ball around and get quality looks so i think 
if they if they can fall into that trap, I think it's going to be a really tough time for them. But I'm, I'm seeing some improved signs on on their team offensively, but defensively, that's where uh, we're really seeing a big improvement with the the Cantor uh, Adams combo uh, up front, and then you have uh, then you have uh, Westbrook, uh, Roberson, and Durant. But uh, I think if they go with Roberson in this series, that kind of just in my opinion, kind of plays to the uh, Golden State's advantage because they could just hide Curry, who's probably their worst defensive player. They just hide Curry on Roberson, and then they put all their length and versatility on Westbrook and Durant and all the Oklahoma City's offensive weapons. So, I mean, what what do you what do you think is the most optimal lineup for Oklahoma City in this series, kind of like the Golden State has their optimal death lineup where they go Draymond Green, Iguodala, Harrison Barnes, Stephen Curry, and Klay Thompson. What do you think is that ultimate yeah. kind of death lineup for Oklahoma City? I mean, um, they've been starting the game with Robertson, but yeah, like you said, he doesn't have any offensive game really. Um, and defensively, I mean, he can't guard Curry. Um, I mean, they might put him on Klay Thompson, but. Um, he doesn't have as much value as he would in other series. Um, I mean, I like I like Westbrook, uh, of course. Westbrook, Durant, um, being Dion Waiters can also be useful uh, offensively. And then yeah, Cantor and uh, Adams keep it going with what has been working for them. Even though it's like, okay, this is a big lineup, and then the Golden State's using a smaller lineup. Um, it can still create problems for them um, with those two guys in the paint, you know, stopping that kind of penetration. Um, but it's going to be tough, man. Like, Ibaka, he's good, but he can't really play on the perimeter defensively. Like, if, you know, Draymond Green's a five, and, you know, you can't really put Ibaka or Adams or any of those big guys on the perimeter. Well, um, Adams, Adams, I think, can actually chase out uh, to the perimeter. I mean, probably as better than Ibaka or... Cantor. I think Cantor is definitely has a lot of defensive deficiencies. So I think, although his offense is really good, he's one of the best six men in the league this year. I think it's going to be a tough decision for Billy Donovan to kind of decide whether to go with him or go with Ibaka's defense and these, uh, yeah. these crucial moments when Golden State goes small and then they have a lot of perimeter-oriented attack. So I, it's going to be really interesting to see what Billy Donovan does with the, his lineups, his rotations. Uh, do you think one of these uh, like bench guys will factor in, like Ant- like Anthony Moore or Kyle Singler, to kind of bring some uh, three point shooting to their Oklahoma City's attack? Because Durant is probably their best three point shooter in their starting lineup. Westbrook is he's a reckless three point shooter. He'll hit them like here and there, but he's like I think one of the worst three point shooters in the history of the game, with like a minimum of like fifteen hundred attempts or something. So how do you? How- <laughs> So what do you think? Do you think Kyle Singler or like Anthony Morrow, these guys will factor into the series? Yeah, I almost forgot those guys are on the team, man, because they didn't really play the whole series. So, um, yeah, I mean, they could uh, definitely be a factor. You know, if they're hot. I don't think, you know, Singler's really, I don't think we've seen him play that much on this team. Uh, but Morrow, yeah, I mean, they both get three-point shooters. Um, they could, I mean... But still, defensively, they're not really that great anyway, so you'd be playing, like, um, you know, them only for offense. Um, yeah, I mean, who else do they got on that team? They got, that's only, like, I only remember, like, six or seven players they've been playing. Yeah, they have, like, an eight-man like rotation. They have, uh, <laughs> they have the rookie Cameron Payne from Murray State. I mean, he's gotten some yeah. a little bit of run here and there, but... It's definitely that uh, that main rotation with like you got Durant, Westbrook, Roberson, Dion Waiters, Enos Cantor, Stephen Adams, Serge Ibaka. So uh, enough about the Thunder. Moving into the on the other side of the Golden State, uh, Stephen Curry this year was absolutely amazing. Uh, the first point guard in NBA history to have a season with 30 plus per. Do you think this is uh, kind of the ceiling for him, or what? What are we sport, sort of to expect from him next season? Do you think he can kind of duplicate what he did this year? Because um, it's it was a super historic year what he had what he did this year with the fifty forty ninety and a thirty plus per. Do you think he can, we can see improvement in that, or do you think that's going to be uh, too um, much expectations to kind of see like a similar season? Yeah, I think. 
the best you could expect is something similar. I mean, last year everyone looked like, wow, you know, he's MVP. You know, there's no way, you know, he's playing the best as he could. And then this year came along and he, you know, improved in like every, everything. So it was kind of a shock, I think, to me and to other people that you know, he got even better than he was last year. You know, we didn't think, you know, he showed us last year what he was all about. And this year he just improved, you know, everything. So... And then this is the same situation again this year. I mean, honestly, I don't think you can get better than what he's been doing. <laughs> uh, I mean, like shooting the ball, like everything goes in, you know. So um, it's, it's going to be hard to improve on that. Uh, but, you know, you never know. He might show us again this year that he can be better, just like he did. Um, you know, he showed us in this MVP year as well. He got better from last year. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, it's really hard to expect anything more from him because it's like the highest of the expectations already. So, um, yeah, I don't think, <laughs> I mean, he, he could, but, you know, he's even more amazing because he's even improved on this year. So, yeah, I don't know if he will see a better year than this, maybe something similar. But, yeah, can't say for sure. He's already played great, so. Okay, and then moving into uh, their front court with Draymond Green, I, I, I think he's the most important player for the Warriors just because of the versatility that he provides on defense. He can guard any position on defense. And on offense, he can he can be the primary ball handler. He can get guys to their spots, get guys good quality looks. And he he's also hit, been hitting the three well. And he was absolutely spectacular against Portland. I think he averaged like, like 23 points, 11 rebounds, like eight assists a game or something. He's shooting like 50% from the three. So... Kind of, what do you think about Draymond? Do you think uh, he has what it takes uh, to kind of be like a legitimate superstar in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, he's been showing us this year, like, you know, how, how well he's been playing, you know, finishing so high in the defensive player category and everything. You know, when he was coming out of college, everyone was like, oh, you know, he's just, he's one of those players that was good in college, and then in the NBA, they're just like role players or, you know, they barely play, but. You know, he's shown us everything. All the things you said are true. That you know, he can bring up the ball. Um, you know, he can pull up for three, or he can pass. He can penetrate and pass. Um, out to all the shooters they have. And defensively, yeah, he can guard like every position on there. So, um, I think it's hard to say sometimes when you have such a big superstar, Steph Curry, on the team that you know, a team that have two big superstars um, like that. But yeah, I mean, he's shown not only with his stats but his uh, clutch much ability in the games. Um, um, it's really, you know, you don't see it that often that a player like this um, at that position can get the three so well, can do everything so well and um, on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean it's hard to um, you know, define superstar sometimes. Um, you know, sometimes it's more about, you know, who everyone knows about everything um, instead of what they're actually doing on the court. Um, you know, the media coverage of them sometimes weighs, outweighs what they do on the court. So, um, but yeah, he's, yeah, like you said, I think he's also the most important um, player because he can do all the things on both sides of the ball. Um, and he, he's kind of, I guess, he's definitely a leader on that team as well. I mean, sometimes you might say some controversial things, but um, he's definitely, um, a lot of times we say the heart and soul of the team or whatever. He's definitely, he fits that category for me. Um, and yeah. yeah, I think he's already there at the superstar level. Um, and he can continue to improve as well. Okay, definitely. And what about uh, Clay Thompson? He's been playing very well lately. He's actually the leading scorer in the in the playoffs thus far. Do you think he kind of get gets uh, overshadowed by the presence of Draymond Green and Stephen Curry, and do you think, uh, I guess, people don't really realize just how good he is? Yeah, definitely. I mean, same thing with him as with Curry. You know, he can hit the three. It seems like every shot goes in. You know, he might miss a shot and then come back the next possession and hit a, hit a big shot. So, um, and he's also a good defense. And a lot of people think he's just a shooter or whatever, but, um, you know, we've seen the whole team is comes together to play good defensively. Clay is definitely a big part of that. And um, yeah, overshadow is a good word. 
I mean, when you have that many good players on the team, um, getting that many open looks, knocking them down, um, it's hard to say, you know, they might have, you know, three great players on their team. Um, I mean, Clay is, yeah, definitely there, but he might be more, I don't know how to say, like, more a uh, product of the system that they run than, you know, as talented as other two are. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's definitely shown with his scoring and, you know, early scoring in the games. You always see that he you know, scores a lot in the first quarter or whatever. Um, that puts them in a good position for the rest of the game. So that's also important for them. Um, yeah, right. he's, he's good on both sides of the ball as well, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't put him on the same level as uh, Curry or Green, but he's definitely there. He's always uh, guarding the other teams, the premier uh, point guard or shooting guard, and he was absolutely spectacular defensively against Damian Lillard and uh, yeah. CJ McCollum. And I think that's that's what makes the Warriors so uh, special. It's just those uh, super versatile guys that are like kind of guard wing type guys, like Sean Livingston, Iguodala, Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes, Draymond. They can all those guys can handle the ball. They can shoot the three, and they can they play elite level defense and they can guard like three, four different positions on defense. So uh, I'll let's, I'm going to go ahead and make my official prediction. I think I've talked myself into it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go bold. I'm going to go Oklahoma city in seven. I just think, uh, I, I think they've figured out some of their late game issues. And uh, like I said, they're, they kind of remind me of that 2011 Miami heat team kind of just coming, sh- coming into form in the playoffs and, but I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State won. They're definitely the, the, they should be the favorite, but I'm going to go with Oklahoma City. I'm going to ride the hot wave. I don't normally go based on prisoner of the moment stuff, but I just think they've built a lot of momentum and I think they're going to win in seven. I think, and all the games are going to be pretty close. I, I don't really expect any blowouts, very, maybe like one or two at most. So uh, yeah, the get hot, yeah. yeah, you're gonna stick uh, with Warriors and six, right? Yeah, yeah, I would say that. I mean, like I think with the Spurs, it was like okay, they got Kawhi, they got Lamarcus, but then who else is the option after that? Um, and you know, if you shut one or both of those guys down, like sometimes the Thunder did, then it's you know the offense is really a question mark. But with the Warriors, like they got so many options. Um, you know, if Curry's not having a good game, then you got like Draymond, you got Clay, you got a lot of the bench guys that can, like you said, shoot the three. Um, all of them are good shooters, or they do something really well on offense. So um, they just got too many options. Um, and uh, defensively, like we talked about, they just uh, are just uh, very versatile. Everyone can guard, you know, like all the positions, like you were saying. Um, um, I mean, Durant is definitely a tough guard, but they got some guys that can do that, that have experience carding these kind of players like guarding LeBron or something like that and Durant, um, you know, the same level. So they definitely got experience on how to handle that. Um, they got a good coaching staff that can adjust and uh, target opposing players. So, yeah, uh, I'll stick with the Warriors. <laughs> All right, definitely. Uh, so then we'll move into the Eastern Conference. Uh, this has actually probably been a really hard series to watch, Toronto-Miami, but even though all the games have been, like, relatively close, so I guess going into Game Seven, I just kind of, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, who do you think wins that one ultimately? Um, I mean, looking at it on the surface, you would say, uh, you know, the Raptors, uh, they're at home, and probably DeRozan is playing good, and Bowie is playing good, and um, you know, all those factors, you would say, oh, yeah, the Raptors would probably win, but I think, um, I think it's going to be Miami, man. Like I think, um, I mean, kind of low-key rooting for the Heat <laughs> in this series. I just think um, they got more experience. Um, they got you know, Dwayne Wade is playing like it's five years ago or whatever, or like ten years ago. He's been playing really good. Um, and like this last game, like Draji just, you know, you know played uh, awesome. So even though they're banged up, you know, Bosch is not there, Whiteside is not there. Um, I think they got the more, they got the edge with experience. And, um, and we've seen the Raptors choke, man. Like, they they choked a few games, even the Indiana series. You're like, the Raptors got choked to seven games by the Pacers, and the 
even in this series, it was like, you know, they should have won some of those games, but, you know, they just, they're not there yet experience-wise. Um, so I would, I would probably think that he would win, even though the odds are against them, like, you know, they have to win two in a row, um, you know, counting game seven, um, they're on the road, but I think they, they um, I would pick them over Toronto. Uh, Miami looking to become the first team in NBA playoff history to come back from 3-2 in multiple playoff series. I don't know. I'm kind of going back and forth in this one. I definitely want to see Miami versus Cleveland in the conference finals. That's definitely what I'm rooting for and what I'm pretty sure most people are rooting for, except uh, the people in the six, the the We the North folks. But (laughs) uh, I don't know. I mean, it's really tough because, I mean, I don't know know if you really see – Goran Dragic having a good game like he did in Game Six, but uh, Wade uh, in Game Five and Game Six down the stretch he was good, but overall he didn't have that great of a game. And I think I think he'll he'll be more efficient in Game Seven. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I mean it's 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 good. I think it's all on like Miami's role players like Dang Winslow, Josh Richardson, those type of guys. So I think the backcourts are going to play well, definitely. I think both backcourts will play well. I mean, they looks like Lowry and DeRozan, especially Lowry, has figured out, uh, kind of uh, gotten up from his struggles and has played a lot better lately. But I'm just going to go, just because uh, based on my uh, rooting interest, I want to see Miami versus Cleveland. I'm just going to go with Miami. I think they're going to win another close game, and they're going to move on to the conference finals against uh, Cleveland. So, Let's say hypothetically that it would be Toronto versus Cleveland in the conference finals. What? How do you think that would play out? Um, I mean the Raptors. Look, man, they're like they're missing their big guy. I don't think he'll be back for the conference finals anyways. Um, and uh, I'll probably say like Cleveland in five, man. They just probably roll over these guys just like they did the previous team. Um. You know, they got some good defensive players on that team. Like I don't even remember who Cleveland has on their team because they haven't played in so long. But um, it's it just um, I mean, they're, of course, they're not going to keep up the shooting that they did in the previous series. That's really hard to keep up. But um, yeah, I mean, if it, de- it would definitely be Cleveland in four or five um, because Toronto. I don't know. I just didn't like them this whole playoffs. I didn't think you know they played that the level that they should, and they're banged up a little now, so, um, yeah, I'll definitely take the Cavs, I mean, but that's, that's where everyone would take as well, so. Yeah, I would definitely go, uh, agree with that, I think Cavs in probably, probably five games, I mean, I could e- even possibly see a sweep if they played Toronto, just because, I mean, their, their, their offense, offensively have been excellent as of late, especially in that Atlanta series, and then just like, uh, it seems like, kind of like last year, like, Atlanta kind of dominated them in the regular season, and then in the playoffs, Cleveland definitely had their number. And it seems like that would be kind of the same scenario between uh, uh, Toronto and Miami if they were to face, or Toronto and Cleveland, excuse me, if they were to face off. I think Cleveland would just uh, go to another level and then just dominate Toronto. So, getting into the series that we want to see and we think will happen, Miami versus Cleveland. What what are your thoughts ultimately on that one? Um, I think the Heat would be a better option, but, uh, not a better option, but it would be, like you said, a better matchup. They would probably give Cleveland more of a challenge, just since LeBron has some kind of problem playing in Miami. You know, <laughs> you know I don't know what, it's psychological or what, but he, he has a hard time playing there after he left. So, um, And then you also got D-Wade on the other side. That might provide some mental issues for LeBron. Um, as well, you know, seeing the best buds from championship teams coming at you like that. Um, I mean, of course, the Cavs, I would pick the Cavs in that series too, but Miami has definitely a chance to take one or two games. Uh, definitely. Uh, or, I think Cavs course. would win win that series either way, but I just really would have loved to see it with everyone healthy, like Bosch, Whiteside. But I think yeah, yeah awesome. Cleveland just struggles uh, playing on the road. I mean, especially in in Miami, they've lost their I think last four games since since LeBron has yeah. gone back to Cleveland. I I think it's I think it's somewhat of a mental thing, 
But LeBron has kind of actually played well in those games. I mean, Miami just takes it to another another level, especially at home against Cleveland in those games. I think it's just like maybe just, they just get uh, amped up for those games. And But uh, Miami as well pl- doesn't play very well in Cleveland and on the road in general. So, I mean, I think they would all they would struggle to win in Cleveland. So, I mean, Wade, I mean, Wade is good. But, I mean, he's not as consistent as he used to be. And I think that would ultimately be in the problem because, I mean, he's been relatively healthy this year. He's played, like, 74 games in the season. But, uh, like you said, there's kind of a conflict, I think, between him and Goran Dragic. They don't like to play the same style of ball. And uh, Goran Dragic likes to play, like, a fast-paced type style, push the ball, whereas Wade is... uh, because of his age, cannot be that fast anymore. He's 34 now. He likes to go in the post, kind of uh, lives in the mid-range, uses that pump fake very well. And lately, he's actually been hitting a a lot more threes. He's actually made more threes in the last, like, like six, seven games than he did all regular season. So... I was shocked when I heard that stat. Like, that was the first three of Dwayne Wade's age since, like, December or something. Yeah. I was like, what? I guess uh, I guess that perp- that purple shirt uh, super fan in Charlotte really brought out the, the three ball in Dwayne Wade and really got him amped up. Yeah. So, so yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, Wade has always been clutch and everything, but yeah, I think the Cavs they'll just you know they'll just push a big lead really early and you know might win one game in, at home, but that that's pretty much it. One or two, two if they're lucky. Um, you know, those are like, you know, the, the Cavs will win two, and then, you know, Miami will come home, they'll win one, and then the Cavs will win the rest of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, but it'll definitely be better to watch in Toronto, which is often sometimes, you know, if those guards are not playing well, then it's just really bad. So, um, yeah, I think we're both rooting for Miami Cleveland, but we'll see what happens in this game seven. Um, and definitely, yeah. And with Miami, you mentioned the Dwayne Wade down the stretch and in clutch time situations. Obviously, he's been good, but every time he's not going to make his shot. So I just think they need to move the ball, swing the ball around, and those guys just get ball, caught ball watching all the other players. And when they get the ball, they're not really sure of what to do. So I think, like kind of like similar to Oklahoma City, they become too predictable on offense, and the offense. Uh, become stagnant, they bog down, and they they don't get quality shots. I mean, the shot clock's running out. They they chuck up like twenty, thirty foot three pointers. And Wade, you got to give him credit. He's made a good amount of those shots, but he's also taken a lot of uh, really bad shots. And he's just been a little lucky that they've been going in. So I'm not really liking their offense down the stretch in the pressure time situations. I think they need to move the ball around more swing it, get to the lane, create uh, quality looks for their shooters and also for their uh, front-line players inside. So ultimately, I, if that were to take the case, if it was Cleveland-Miami, I'm going to go Cleveland for sure, and I, I think it would probably be six games. I think Miami, it would, be enter- it would be entertaining six games, but ultimately I think just Cleveland, too much firepower on offense, and they've become a uh, – better uh, defensively as well. I mean, but I th- I just think, where do you think uh, you see them going on a def- on the defensive side? Do you think they have what it takes to kind of, uh, I mean, be good on the defensive side of the ball against like Oklahoma City or Golden State? Um, I mean, yeah. Well, it's hard to say. I mean, their players are more offensive oriented, like Kevin Love, you know, he's not known for his defense, J.R. Smith, same thing. Even Kyrie, I don't think, um, you know, he's that great defensively as he is offensively. I mean, they got Yvonne Schumburg and, um, you know, some of those guys, but um, it will be hard for them. I think, I think everyone is thinking, if, you know, Cleveland keeps up their offensive game in the finals, then maybe they have a chance, but, I mean, they got LeBron, so that's definitely a big factor. But yeah, it'll be kind of hard for them to match up, um, you know, with the Western Conference teams. I think they're just hoping that you know they finish the Eastern Conference Finals in like four or five games, 
won the West Conference Finals for like seven games, and you know the rest fatigue factor comes into play. Um, I mean, Cleveland, you know, they've been they've been chilling for a long time now. Like they've been waiting on the first round and the second round. Um, after those series, you know, they've just been uh, chilling. So they've definitely been less good than uh, these two other teams, Heat and Raptors, coming in. So that's also a factor. But yeah, defensively, I mean. Well, center, I mean, that's that's kind of the dilemma for them. If they go big, they're probably going to have, like, Mozgov or in there. But, I mean, what they've shown is they've been kind of going small. And then usually Tristan Thompson, I guess, starts out at the at center. And then and, and some, in some circumstances, they go small. They go Kevin Love at the five. They go LeBron at the four. Shumpert Smith and Kyrie or Della Vadova. And I think that's what they're probably going to have to employ against like a Golden State or Oklahoma City. Because Tristan Thompson, although he has a lot of offensive deficiencies, is one of the probably the best offensive rebounder in the league. And I mean, he creates a lot of second chance points for Cleveland. And he really, uh, he's very excellent defender as well. He can get out on the pick and rolls on those uh, small guards the top of the key and the three-point line. So ultimately, uh, we both think uh, Cleveland, it doesn't matter who they play, Toronto or Miami is going to come out on top in probably like five or six games. You can agree to that, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't think um, other teams will give much of a challenge to Cleveland. Okay, um, definitely. They're healthy this year, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so the those should be two exciting uh, conference final series and we're definitely looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to watching Oklahoma City and Golden State. Uh, I think that one's going to be spectacular. So getting into some uh, coaching stuff, uh, we have five uh, coaching vacancies currently in both conferences in the NBA uh, with uh, Memphis, Houston, Orlando, Indiana, and the New York Knicks. So what do you think uh, ultimately happens with those situations? And we'll start off, I guess, with Memphis. Who do you think ultimately is going to take over? Um, well, I think the, the big name right now is Frank Vogel, as he said, it's kind of, since he got let go in Indiana, and he's available, so they, he kind of fits their defensive first philosophy that they've had for a while. Um, we're going into Memphis, I mean, it's, you know, any coach that goes there has to remember, like, all the problems the previous coach had with the management, so that's definitely a factor going in there, I mean, um, Frank Vogel's been a hot name, I guess. <laughs> um, I think he's been linked to the Magic as well. So, um, yeah, I think they might go with him because uh, he kind of fits their philosophy and you know the tough kind of play they like to play um, with the players they have there already. Um, unless the owner has a problem, if for some reason all the owners and GMs are like, oh, we want offensive first teams. Maybe they've been watching too much Golden State games, but. Um, I think that's been kind of the trend. Um, uh, but yeah, I think Frank Vogel would be a good fit there. Um, I think the players in Indiana really like him, and Memphis might be kind of a similar situation um, for him. I mean, I, uh, I think it was just an uh, issue between the coach and the you know management um, for Memphis because you know they brought that team to the playoffs when like half their team was injured or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you would probably be the best fit there. Um, yeah, I don't know who else would probably be a good fit there. I mean, yeah, I, I would think Frank Vogel's probably got to be the favorite. One other name I could probably think of is probably like Jeff Hornacek, but I don't, I don't really see that happening. I don't think he would go there. I guess let's, uh, what do you think about the Houston situation? Do you think, uh, Jeff Van Gundy comes from the sidelines on, from the broadcast booth back to the sidelines? Um, yeah, I think that's actually an option because uh, even though, you know, these broadcasters, they like their job as, you know, on TV, like they've been doing, um, they're still a coach, first of all. So they want to get back to that. Um, you know, Jeff Van Gundy's been off the coaching, you know, he hasn't been a coach for a while now, but there's always definitely an itch to come back. And I think Houston would be, a good fit with for him because you know he's been he's been there already before. Um, he's familiar with the situation or the ownership there. Um, 
he's, he's kind of a coach that, you know, maybe the team will respect because of his experience. Um, sometimes, you know, uh, with some of those kind of superstars, especially James Harden, you might have a little bit of ego. Um, but if you got a successful coach coming in with experience, who knows how to deal with superstars, you might be more open to that kind of coach. Um, yeah, I mean, Dwight Howard's not going to stay there, so it'll probably be, you know, who handles James Harden the best. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think Jeff Van Gundy's a good candidate there. I mean, the other name over there is Kenny Smith, but... <laughs> I mean, sometimes you need, you need someone with experience. Um, I mean, Kenny's not even hasn't even been an assistant coach either, so it'll be really hard for him to go in there and you know, kind of do whatever um, that it takes. So I don't see that happening. But yeah, Jeff Van is definitely an option. I think he's like their, probably their first choice unless he decides to stay in broadcasting. So yeah, I think um, that would definitely be a good choice for them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they should go Jeff Van Gundy. But, I mean, I would also like to see Kenny Smith in there, just kind of like a, kind of get a new flavor in Houston, a former player for Houston. So that would also be interesting. But if I were, I, if I was making the choice, I would definitely go with Jeff Van Gundy. I really loved him as a coach when he was with, with the Knicks and also with Houston as well. So I guess moving into the vacancies in the Eastern Conference, uh, what do you think ultimately happens with that uh, – Mess, uh, the super dysfunctional mess in New York with the Knicks. Well, who do you think they ultimately hire? Do you think they keep Rambis or do you think they get someone else? David Blatt, possibly. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on there. Like, uh, Phil Jackson is so obsessed with his system or his preferred candidates that, um, I don't know what his problem is. Like, Kurt Rambis, are you seeing this? <laughs> I mean, Rambis, I know he's cool with Bill and whatever, but, you know, he hasn't had a lot of success before. I mean, his teams probably weren't that good, but still, um, I don't think the players like him as well as they might some other candidates. I mean, you got you still got Carmelo there, who, when interested and healthy, is one of the best players. And Porzingis, uh, you don't want to waste him, um, you know, with some uh, coach that you know, doesn't know how to develop him. Um, I mean, they might end up going with Corey Rambis just because that's what Phil wants, but, um, I mean, they already missed out on some of the uh, guys. I mean, Luke Walton, even though he doesn't have that much experience, he might have been a good fit there, but, I don't know, it's, it's a tough thing, like, with New York, because you're not only worried about the team, you're also worried about all the media coverage, all the attention you get, and uh, if you can't handle the pressure, then, um, you know, it's a problem. David Vlad, yeah, I mean, he might, he might be a good fit there. Um, um, you know, he did really good in Cleveland with the players he had, but yeah, in Cleveland he did have a stack team that did so well. Um, so I don't know if he'll have an issue. I think it was mostly LeBron related. You know, LeBron wanted more power or something. I don't know what his problem is, but um, that's why the coach got let go. Um, yeah, I think David Blatt would be a good option there. I think Mark Jackson is also a name they put out there, but um, you know how the media is. They like to make a big deal about a lot of stuff. Uh, oh, does Carmelo like the coach or not? Or you know, is there any friction when there really isn't any, any problems going on? But you know, that just adds a different, adds an extra layer of difficulty to that job. Um, yeah, I mean, if I was them, I wouldn't keep Kurt Rambis, but they might end up doing that. Yeah, it seems like uh, Phil is just ultimately going to keep Kurt Rambis. It's it looks like it's inevitable to me that Phil is going back to the Lakers in some sort of front office role to be alongside his fiance Jeannie Buss. And I think David Blatt, I I caution him. It would probably be a good, a decent fit, but I I don't think it would be a good job for him. Just because personally, I think he would get some sort of like uh, Mike D'Antoni treatment <laughs> that he got in when he was with the Lakers. I just think the New York media would absolutely uh, tear him apart. And I just don't think it would be a good job for him. But ultimately, I think, <laughs> I just think they're going to go with Phil's puppet, uh, Kurt Rambis. And from what I hear mostly around the league is Kurt Rambis is one of the worst coaches. A lot of people have uh, seen him in person and stuff, and they just question his moves and question uh, his coaching style, his uh, 
moves, his rotation, stuff like that. So I don't know, but I don't think they're going to be very good again next year. They might be like a fringe playoff team, possibly, like fighting for an eight seed, but I don't think anything better than that. So definitely, I don't who ultimately who they hire, I don't think it's going to matter very much because I think Phil is on his way out. And he's really, really wants to get back to Manhattan Beach and being alongside his fiance Jeannie Bus. So, so uh, I guess move, moving into Orlando with Scott Skiles, that really came out of left field. I mean, what the hell happened there? Why do you think he ultimately resigned? Yeah, I think what, what, what we've been reading is just front uh, office issues again with the coach. You know. The coach wants one thing to happen, and the GM wants one thing to happen. They like one player, but the coach doesn't like them, whatever. Um, I mean, I think that's how, I mean, if the coach is not comfortable there, then yeah. I mean, you don't want to just spend another season there and just not put in your 100%. Um, and that's what I think is, you know, it should be more about the players and the coach, because the coach a new coach comes in, and they don't like a player or two, they ship them out, and then but, you know, like two years later, the coach is gone as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know exactly what happened there, but I think it was regarding players and, uh, you know, these these GMs have big egos, coaches have big egos. I mean, I don't know if that's the case here, but um, they just, um, you know, once the relationship is fractured, you know, it's hard to bring that back up with, you know, people that are not going to compromise. Um yeah, that, that was kind of surprising. I thought Scott Scouts was good for young teams, um, at least for two years, you know, to kind of help them grow up, and then you bring another coach in. That's what happened to him a few times. So, um, the next coach to that team, uh, I mean, thanks a little bit, Yeah, I think it would be best that Scott Scouts is awesome. Okay, definitely. And uh, what do you, what do you think about possibly Mike D'Antoni filling that uh, head coaching role in uh, Orlando? Because uh, they seem like they have like a team that that could be good with that kind of small ball system that he employed in Phoenix. Yeah, that's one thing I didn't think about. Since you bring it up, yeah, it would have been a good choice. That would be a good choice. Um, they got a young team, fast pace. Um, you know, they got some young wing players, athletic guys. Um, they can also shoot the ball. Um, I mean, I think to make that system successful, you need like a point guard like you know, Steve Nash was in uh, Phoenix. I don't know if they have that same kind of player there. Um, I'm just going based on what been in Phoenix. Um, Amari Stoudemire was really great there. Uh, he shoot the ball from the mid-range. Um, I guess you have Luka Richard. I can kind of play that role. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, like we've seen in other places, the front office and the fans prefer the high-paced offense, um, scoring a lot of points. That's exciting. Um, rather than a successful team, that's good on defense. But, yeah, D'Antoni might be a good fit there. Uh, I don't know if he would want to go into that situation, I think he prefers kind of high profile situations more, <laughs> like a Lakers and Knicks. But uh, yeah, that would that would be a good choice for them. Uh, but it seems like he's more prefers more like experienced teams. All right, definitely. Uh, another uh, team that he's linked to, Mike D'Antoni, is uh, Indiana. Do you think he ultimately ends up there?
you know, that they like very well or someone that they know very well and uh, not just being assistant or college coach or something like that. So, uh, yeah, you never know what happens in these coaching openings. Uh, sometimes they're easy to telegraph, like, hey, we walked into the Lakers, that happened. Everyone was expecting that. Um, but, yeah, I think for Indiana, Jeff Hornacek, Dan Tony, uh, they kind of fit what they want, so options. All right, definitely. Yeah, it should be interesting to see uh, who winds up in all these uh, coaching vacancies. Uh, definitely wanted to thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure having you on, and I would love definitely look yeah. for, look forward to having you on again. And would love to have you on again anytime. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No problem. And then uh, everybody, thanks for listening. I uh, hope you guys enjoy both conference finals matchups, and I'll probably be back. Uh, probably for the NBA finals. So enjoy all the games. Thank you very much.